you for joining me on another episode of She Leads Now podcast, where we help career and entrepreneurial women gain the tools to develop a success mindset, create winning strategies, build collaborative relationships, and take bold action towards creating impact and fulfillment in their lives and careers. I'm your host, Sabine Gideon, and I'm on a mission to awaken and activate women and emerging leaders so they can tap into their innate leadership ability, elevate their influence, and create the impact they were destined to make. If you're ready to up-level your confidence, courage, and influence, you've come to the right place. Join me weekly for insights, strategies, and resources to help you grow, develop, and embody the leader you were meant to be so that you can make the impact you know you are called to make and establish the legacy you've always dreamed. The world eagerly awaits the emergence of your brilliance, impact, and influence. So with that, let's dive into this week's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of She Leads Now. I'm your host, Sabine Gideon, and I am so excited to be with you here this week. Today, we'll be chatting with Tori Brodsky, who is an entrepreneur who has an amazing journey to entrepreneurship, uh, which she will be sharing today. But real quick, Victoria is an entrepreneurial professional with an interest in all things better for you. With an educational background in nutritional science, she feels especially drawn to people, products, and services that value health and joyful living. She has also recently started her own e-commerce company, which is a hydration and beverage company called Drink Light. Tori, we are so excited to have you here today. I would love to hear a little bit more about you and about your journey. Absolutely. I'm so excited to be here. I think from the moment you reached out, the whole ethos around she leads now and all the things involved in that just really resonated with me. So thank you for having me here. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your background because you have been in the entrepreneurial space for a while. And I know before you started your business, you were working at startups. So talk to us a little bit about your journey and what has led up to now. Yeah, sure. I grew up in a really small town in Northern California. I had a single mom. We were four kids. And so like uh, the kind of like theme I talk about in my life is just like personal leadership and self-reliance. And that has just been the really only constant in my life. And I think that's, uh, there's a reason for that. And I think that those are some of the gifts that either I've been given or I've been able to hone because of just all the different types of adversity and also all the different wonderful opportunities I've had in my life. I had like very low self-esteem and I also suffered from an eating disorder since I was very young. And so going into college, I went to UC Berkeley and I didn't know what to study. And so I, you hear all the time, like study what you love, but at a school like Cal, they're like anything that's not STEM, you're just being a wussy. And nutrition science was considered the home at major when in reality, nutrition science was a pre-med major. So I took all the same classes as pre-med except for my last year, it was a focus on metabolic science, community nutrition, the food and beverage industry, clinical nutrition, medical nutrition therapy. And so it was extremely challenging, but it allowed me to connect with health and just learn a, a lot more about it. Like everything I needed to have learned to overcome my relationship with food, but also I get very excited about certain things. And when I was studying, like I noticed, and I kept on realizing this pattern that we're not fixing things from the clinical side. 
people are making choices because large corporations have the money to convince them to make those choices, especially when it comes to their health and their nutrition. So I decided not to go clinical. I decided I'm going to do business. And I had no idea what that meant because I was a science undergrad. But I was very lucky because I uh, waited tables during undergrad and I actually got a uh, internship at a startup that built apps for people with food allergies. And that was fantastic. It was like my kind of segue into the world of not only like nutrition and technology, but also startups. Essentially, that was the first company I ended up working for after college. But I really just noticed that I was very good with projects and like finding problems and solving them in really creative and resourceful ways. I had also been working with a friend of mine from Cal who was a business and economics major and helped me learn everything I needed to know at that time early on in my career about business, which I'm really grateful for. And basically we've, we've ran a business together ever since then, which has been project management consulting for startups. We've started a couple successful startups that we have equity in. We're co-founders. We still contribute to till this day. We have a couple that have totally failed. We have you know, some where we've actually started them ourselves and walked away from, but the majority of my career has really been helping other people build their purpose through whatever they're working on. And that has given me like tons of industry experience. Meanwhile, we're working for other people. We're like moonlighting our own ideas with other friends of ours and things like that. And so we've worked on a number of different CPG products from cosmetics to a bra company that I started and stopped. So all these things, I don't think people realize startup, like entrepreneurship in general is like, so not one line. It might be for some people, but I think for the most part, like people don't understand that there's a lot of stuff that goes on before they see what they see. And so in 2019, we started a company called Drinklight. So basically I've been running it since then with the help of my business partner. And I have some really great interns. It's been like such a crazy journey because our whole solution or a whole, the problem that we were solving was alcohol-induced dehydration. So I was trying to make this, uh, this habit of going out and having fun and drinking alcohol more healthy by providing a product that was dedicated for like bars, like wherever you were drinking alcohol, a really awesome natural hydration beverage in a can. And we started taking off unexpectedly at the beginning of 2020. Then we all know what happened. And so we pivoted the company to powder form of the drink mix or of the drinks and started e-commerce. And at that same time, that same year, I applied and got into the fully employed MBA program at UCLA Anderson School of Management. And it's been a lot. So I know I just blurted a lot of stuff out, but that's not short story, but not the long story either. Got it. First of all, the product, right? Drink Light. I think I said this to you the first time and you probably hear it all the time too, is that, oh my gosh, where was this when I was in college? Because it's obviously beneficial. And if people are creating those habits anyway, might as well position them to, to do it in a healthy way or not have to suffer the consequences that many of us have suffered. So that is awesome. So you've gone from taking a natural skill 
with your partner, being able to leverage that skill, support other businesses, support other organizations, and then elevating it to do it in your own business, which is amazing. And now you're in school as well. So how are you balancing school and your business and your clients and your partner and managing a team of interns? How are you doing all of that? Yeah. First of all, one really awesome thing about working for serial entrepreneurs, because a lot of the startups that I worked with were with founders who were serial entrepreneurs. And so I, I just saw what type of organization works and what doesn't literally as far as your day-to-day time management as a leader of a business. And so luckily I had my own experiences of how to balance everything, but also I saw a lot of things that didn't work. There's a few things. First of all, like Peter Drucker talks about how if you're going to be effective, you pick three things that you need to get done that day and be very careful about what you choose for number three, because you probably won't get to it. And you think how insane that is. You're like, there's no way I'm only going to get three things done today. Almost every day I get two and a half. (laughs) And that's on a really good day because sometimes my whole day is thrown off. So that's one thing is just, I would just emphasize prioritization. Like you have to determine what is most important and urgent on that day. And sometimes what is urgent is not important and what is important isn't urgent. And so you have to use your judgment as to what you need to get done. And so with that, you also have to have a bird's eye view of what's happening over like the next month for you, especially over the next week. And so when I talk to people about this, I give very practical advice as to literally how I like mentally can compartmentalize everything. And I cannot emphasize the importance of a calendar. Like you have to find a system that you can rely on because that calendar is probably the thing I look at most every single day, just to make sure that I'm planning and going along with what I've planned to do that week or that month. So as much as you can compartmentalize your actual workspace, which is most for most of us, a laptop, that's really how you can do it. Oh, wow. Okay. So I love the system that you have with the calendars that Peter Drucker, the effective executive, I actually give that book to all of my private coaching clients who are leaders. And so I'm with you on that. The prioritization, I I speak about this often, and and I don't know about you, but at least for me, it's harder (laughs) than it sounds to identify three priorities and then just focus on those things or getting clarity on, okay, what are the tasks under those three priorities? But on the days that I am able to do it, I can't tell you how productive I I end the day feeling versus, oh my gosh, I still have this list of 20 items to do. So thank you for sharing that. You mentioned something that sparked a couple of thoughts for me, especially when it comes to being in startup environments, because in startup environments, it's madness. It's all hands on deck. Like everyone's trying to figure out what needs to get done. There's not necessarily always role clarity on who does what. And there's a lot more communication that's required, even though it doesn't always happen. And so it's chaos. And so I love the fact that you've been able to take 
all of your experiences in these chaotic moments to take a step back and say, okay, what works for me and leveraging the the good of each side of it to build your business and obviously to continue to support clients. Now, with regards to, to Drink Light, how did you go about choosing the model for business? Yeah. So I think there's a couple things. Number one is I think that pricing is what can potentially make or break a company. If you've ever taken a look at the case study of Chobani, they never took outside funding and they kept their price very high from the beginning compared to the other brands out there. And that is what made them really successful. And same with e-commerce. You have to think about pricing off the bat. And for some reason, it just wasn't like a priority for me. Like I when I was starting e-commerce, it was like, oh yeah, okay. I think our cogs are around this. So this is a good price. And yeah, this is a little bit cheaper than the competitor. I just didn't think as pricing as a strategy. And I'm learning now, not only through my own experience, but also in business school and studying other companies, that pricing is so incredibly important. And I'm also really grateful because I've, I have a couple other clients in beverage and my mentor who's been working with me on that has showed me just how the process works of here's how you find out your cogs, which is something I already knew, but I didn't really understand how much I needed to build my business around my margins and shopping around for different vendors and that sort of thing. And so I think that you always struggle to decide on a focus, right? Am I building a brand or am I trying to make a profit? Because they're not always, they're not mutually exclusive, obviously, but it's really hard to focus on both. And I've worked with companies that have built wonderful brands, but have made no money. Look at Uber, didn't work for them, but (laughs) that's a great example. Um, And then I've worked for companies that have no really brand recognition, but they make millions of dollars every year in profit. I think when you build whatever you're building, you have to decide on that. And if you don't know numbers, if you don't know a PL, PL, if you don't know how to keep track of your accounting every week via bookkeeping or whatever, you need to hire somebody. So I would say that is like number one, because those numbers are what's going to make or break your business, no matter how good your brand is. I think number two is also just realizing that like, Determining what things are worth your time to learn and what things are not so that you can spend that budget out hiring. There are a lot of time, there are a lot of things where I was like, oh, I don't need to hire anybody. I'll learn this myself. I spent hours and hours and still like trial and error. And I got to a point where I'm like, if I just hired somebody, it literally would have been cheaper at this point. And I don't even want to do this. I'm dreading it. So I think also just making those types of decisions. Fulfillment also is a very big thing. So like there's so much happening with e-commerce, but I think the biggest thing before you start is thinking about your pricing strategy and your brand strategy. Yeah. And just to clarify for those who may be in the the service uh, industry, COG is a cost of goods sold. So we may not necessarily have high numbers there, but definitely wanted to clarify that. And you're absolutely right. It's really about determining from the beginning, what am I building? What is the end game here? How do I want to position myself? And then backing everything 
you know, you mentioned you, the business for the most part has been self-funded. And so with that process, you've also been able to connect with a lot of mentors, a lot of people in the, um, call it angel venture capital environment. So talk to us a little bit about that experience, because I've been around it just enough to know that first and foremost, obviously women-owned businesses don't get as much uh, funding as other businesses. And then you add in minority and the numbers get smaller and smaller. And it's also a very tight knit network environment. And so really it is about building relationships with individuals and being able to identify people who can be your mentor, people who can be an investor, people who can be an advisor. So talk to us a little bit about that experience of building relationships or getting a foot in the door into that space and what that's looked like for you. Yeah. So I think that's a great point because one thing that I sometimes fail to mention is that when I I, I worked for that nutrition app company for a couple of years, and then long story short, I actually dropped out of my senior year to go work for that company. And I decided I would take three years off. Two of those years I worked for the company. And then that third year, I was just going to network full-time. And then I'd go back and finish my undergrad degree. So that year, first of all, I was burnt out. But also I just realized like working in Los Angeles specifically, like how incredibly important networking is. You hear it, but you're like, ah, whatever, I'm a college kid. Who am I going to meet? But I, I basically moved in with some family friends in Orange County. And I decided I'm going to go to every single free networking event that I could find on Eventbrite or Meetup that had to do with just startups in any industry that I was interested in. And so luckily, I was very close to UC Irvine at the time. And UC Irvine had a like accelerator incubator space that they would do public events at. So like I would go to a public event, for example, like One Million Cups is a wonderful resource for people. I don't think people know about this nonprofit company, but it's nationwide. And essentially it's an organization that allows anyone to go pitch an idea to a crowd of people over coffee. And usually it's like very early in the morning. And I was like, this seems cool. I'm going to go do this. And so I remember pitching a company I had an idea for, because it doesn't really matter even if that company exists. It's let's hone your pitching skills. And on that very first morning, the very first networking event, I met one of the most important mentors of my life. And literally we were just working together an hour ago. So all that to say, I intended to network for an entire year. It turns out going to two or three weeks of networking events started my career because once I started working on a project with one EIR who needed someone like me and said, maybe I can just hire you part-time. And I said, okay, and here's my business partner. This is what we can do. And then it was just like word of mouth. Okay. You got this problem, Victoria, we'll figure out how to fix it. You got that problem, hire Victoria. And so I just became this like Jane of all trades in the community down there. And um, it just, it was wonderful. So I, again, I, I think that networking, I'll never be able to emphasize it enough. You need to intentionally go out there to meet people, be the first one to walk in, be the last one to walk out. And it's okay if you're awkward. I don't like that stuff. Like I personally, I guess I'm 
good at it. It's one of my strengths, but it's exhausting. And especially when you don't know what you're doing with your life. I was like 22 at the time. And I'm like, yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. I dropped out of college. I'm studying. Like I was all over the place. And so people recognize that. And the people who will see something in you, you you can't mess it up. And for the audience, I did not pay uh, Tori to share about her networking experience and the power of it. And I say that just because I'm always advocating about networking or relationship marketing and really looking at instead of trying to figure it all out and be the end all and be all like, how can I leverage the resource of other people or how can I leverage the knowledge of other people? And I wasn't even expecting your story, but I'm so glad that you were able to highlight how one being intentional and setting the intention to put yourself out there to meet as many people really open doors for you. And because of those open doors, you've now built this amazing network. You're building this business and you're continuing to expand and grow based off of that. So that's the power of networking, but I'll get off my soapbox on that. Shifting gears uh, just slightly here. So we had talked about Obviously, there's the networking, there's the building relationships. And then once you get into that ecosystem and get into that circle, there are just a couple of unwritten rules. Since women business owners, we're not playing in those spaces as much. What are some of the lessons learned in that environment and through your experience that you would want to share so that if someone is considering, hey, I might look for funding at, at one point, what are some of those do's and don'ts and some unwritten rules that you would mind sharing? Yeah, absolutely. So unfortunately, I have had experiences where I'm a young woman in a environment in which there are very few and have been very few young women with leadership roles. I think no matter what role you're in, I think if you're a young woman in a male-dominated space, this is going to be a risk, unfortunately. And that risk is having professionals around you act unprofessionally, intentionally or unintentionally, doesn't matter. And I don't think like I've spoken to my female executive coach about this. And I said, because I've been like, had really negative experiences in the past with male bosses or male clients, it's really hard for me to trust like a new investor that's coming on who's male or a new advisor, something like that. It's really hard for me to trust because now I think that's what they're thinking. And she gave me the advice of you have to go in and act as if that's impossible because that's preposterous. And if someone were to treat you like that, it would be unacceptable and they would know that. And so you have to project yourself. But when you're a young girl, you don't know that. And so I would just say, I think it's good to all the younger women or women of any age, frankly, who have experienced just some sort of inappropriate behavior in the workplace. A, it's good that you're listening to this, right? Like you need to hear other stories to surround yourself with people who can give you advice. But B, walk in the room always with confidence, knowing that you are too important for someone to to act inappropriately to. If someone respects you, they're not going to act inappropriately towards you. And so you have to walk into the room with an air of commanding respect. And I know that's very difficult. I still struggle with that sometimes. So you have to put on this veil and that whole like fake it till you make it 
So it takes time to do that. So I guess like just in your energy and how you present yourself is very important. And I don't want to say this is like one of those things where it's, oh, if you present yourself as shy and vulnerable, it's your fault if something happens. Absolutely not. What I'm saying is there's a the presence that commands respect that is going to help you throughout your career, no matter what. And one of the byproducts of having that and having that mindset as you go throughout your career is that no one is going to act inappropriately to you. And if they do, it will be a very, it will be not good for them. Let's just say that. Assume the best, but be prepared for the worst. Thank you for sharing your, your vulnerability in terms of experiences that you've had and some of the red flags for the audience. So just want to shift gears here a little bit. I'm a big believer leaders are readers. And I know you are in a full-fledged master's program. So as you think about books and you shared about the, the Peter Drucker effective executive book, but as you think about some other books that may have been pivotal or helpful to you as you've transformed in your entrepreneurial journey, what are some of those books? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that the first one that comes to mind was very powerful recently, and it has nothing to do with business. It has everything to do with spirituality. And that's The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. That book allowed me to get into a mindset where you just, you have such faith, like practical ways to get in touch with who you are as a being. And it's meta and interesting and weird, but it was, it's really helpful. The other book that I'm reading right now, because I'm actually in a negotiations class and this book isn't um, required, but I had a good friend give it to me. He said, you have to read this. It is Never Split the Difference. Fabulous book. I'm horrible at remembering authors' names, but hopefully you'll be able to pull it up and uh, link it. But it's a, um, it's basically a- Chris Voss, I think. Yes. 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 Yeah. And so he- did a lot of work in the military and government and FBI and all that to basically negotiate like hostage situations. So literally negotiating for people's lives. And all of the things were so incredibly applicable and effective that he learned, right? In those situations, a fun read that I, (laughs) my mom just gave me for my birthday and it was a really quick read. It was like, it was just fun and it made me happy was Lily Singh's new book called Be a Triangle. I think that's what it's called. And it's very short and it's very funny, but she talks about how like your life, like you have to have a foundation other than just your career. And I think especially women who are focused on their career, like hyper-focused, like they put their value right in their career. And even when you are at a place where you are happy, like with your career, if that's the only thing you've invested in, you're not, you're probably not going to be super happy elsewhere. Awesome. Okay. So we will link all three of those books, including the effective executive in the show notes. Another good book uh, recommendation on negotiations would be Alexandra Carter's ask for more. Hers is complimentary to Chris. So I definitely recommend that if you're focused on negotiations. Tori, thank you so much. You've shared so much about your journey and your process. And, and one of the things that I'm taking away from this interview and this message is that entrepreneurship, like we mentioned before, is not this linear path, right? 
as you're becoming whoever it is that you're becoming, you're able to leverage that and express that through the work that you're doing. And so for those who are listening, who, you know, have businesses or who are thinking about starting businesses, or you have that side hustle and you're trying to figure out what does this look like? I think the encouragement that you can take away from this is that you can start one way and allow your growth um, and your development to lead you. Before I let you go, how can the audience get in touch with you? How can they reach out to you? How can they learn more about Drinklight? Yes, absolutely. First of all, you can go get a your first drink light for free at drinklight.co. That's L-Y-T-E dot C-O. The second place is to go to victoriabrodsky.com. That's my personal website. You can email me there. You can see my LinkedIn, my Instagram, and connect with me on any of those. I suggest email. Awesome. We will have the website as well as the handles, uh, the social handles on the show notes. So be sure to check those out and be sure to connect with Victoria and get your free sample of drink life. So with that, Victoria, thank you so much uh, again for sharing your knowledge, your journey, your wisdom, and how you've really been able to navigate this path of entrepreneurship. For you all listening, I will be back next week. Uh, Thank you so much. Have a great rest of the week. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of She Leads Now. Be sure to join us next week for another transformative discussion to help you grow, develop, and embody the courageous leader you've always been. Be sure to subscribe to the show to get alerts when new episodes drop and join us for our next Leaders Lounge meetup on Zoom. Details and dates for future sessions are included in the show notes below. So take a look there or head over to sabinegideon.com forward slash lounge to register and hold your spot for the next session. Again, that's sabinegideon.com forward slash lounge to grab your spot. Excited to connect with you all inside the lounge. Talk to you soon.